Greetings, little one. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt! A newt. What's thou like to live deliciously? Got better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to Real Magic, the podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television, and where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of moving pictures. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Hey there, witches and weirdos, and welcome back to the Real Magic Podcast after a tiny hiatus, but I couldn't stay away too long because I missed you. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, and today we're talking about one of our most requested topics on the show, Motherland Fort Salem from Freeform. This is a show that's just finished its second season on Freeform that imagines a world where witches have made up the American army since the Salem witch trials and America's kind of like a matriarchy, but militarized. It's really interesting. It's one of the most popular witchy shows currently airing. And it's a fascinating series that doesn't always get things right, but it really swings for the fences. And I like that. The show is very queer. It's very creative. And it has a very scientific approach to the way magic works and also a heck of a lot of mushrooms. So to talk about it, we have along for the ride one of the foremost witchy experts in science and mushrooms, a co-host of the Science Witch Podcast and mycelium and fungi expert, Angel Craig. Angel is awesome, and we had an awesome, really fun discussion of the series, and I really hope you enjoy it. Now, as a warning, we're discussing the entirety of both seasons, including the season two finale. So spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the whole second season and don't want to be spoiled, go watch it now and then come back and listen. The whole series is on Hulu. It's really easy to watch if you've got a Hulu subscription. And with that said, let's sing up a storm and talk Motherland of Fort Salem. Let the sound fill you. Let it shake your teeth and thicken your blood. Gather it into yourself. And when you are full, sing. Welcome, Angel Craig, to a Real Magic Podcast. I'm excited to have you here. You're one of the first people I've had on the podcast that I actually like have met in human, you know, meat suit life before <laughs> being on the podcast. Yes, yeah, thanks to Witch Walks. Yes, you're lead the Wild Witches of the Willamette here in mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest. And it's really fun just to walk around and talk with witches. And so I love to ask people on their first time here, like, what was your like witchy entry movie, the movie that kind of made you love magic or feel magical as a kid? Why? Let me see. The very first one that really just kind of struck a chord with me was probably The NeverEnding Story. That that was such an intense movie for me. And um, since as I've gotten older, I've seen it before and like it still has that sort of like really like deep mystery sort of like uh hero's journey um 
And then, of course, the the Sphinx that were topless. Oh, yeah. Because it was filmed in Germany and that was totally <laughs> like chill. And, you know, as like an eight year old, I think I saw that movie when I was first. I was eight. It was just like, what? Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I would have to say that one was one of my first like, like really imaginative, like world building kind of um magic is real feeling that connection sort of movie for me and I love how the magic in the movie is like through a book it's like yes. you become part of the magic as a as reader read. and observer it's wonderful and, and then the reader becomes part of the story and just and... a whole generation of children traumatized by our text oh yeah like that is like one of the roughest scenes <laughs> it is such in a film history oh my gosh it is like that scene right there has made more people cry than I think just about any other scene in oh Hollywood yeah it's just so emotional and it's so so good but it's like you're like oh god this is a kids movie like the 80s kids movies like that and like um return to oz like they were dark yeah yeah so dark very dark so i mean and we're the show we're talking about today motherland fort salem got some darker themes too yeah it starts with like a mass suicide right but before we get into the show you are literally the perfect person to talk about for this show because not only is it witches and the queer witches, but you are an expert in mushrooms. And this show is like mushroom mania. Oh, yeah. Can you oh, explain yeah. what your background is aside from being a uh, witch walker and uh, <sighs> another? You also host the Science Witch podcast. Yes. Yeah. I'm so, one of yeah. co hosts. Um, well, uh, I have a master's in science in. Um, ecology and specifically mycology which is the study of mushrooms and so my research when I was still in school um, dealt with uh, specifically ectomycorrhizal fungi which are the fungi that have the connection with trees and so it's the way that trees talk basically talk to each other through mushrooms and they do more than than talk they they can send like chemical signals through it uh uh, the mycelial network they can actually there's research to show uh from susan samard that trees actually can provide parental care to the network of their young little trees growing in their canopy through the the way that um, the mushrooms basically get nutrients in the ground for the trees. And in exchange, the trees feed the mushrooms carbon through the photosynthate that they get from their um, leaves. And so it's a an incredible uh, symbiosis that has like such cool widespread um, you know, ideas all over Hollywood with the, um, that, that Hollywood's starting to really tap into because um, yeah. the new Star Trek, there's actually a character named Paul Stamens, who's, a, of course, a famous mycologist. Oh, yeah, and this is the Star Trek Discovery. I have Discovery. not seen that one. I'm a bad nerd. I've, uh, I, I, <laughs> Discovery is so good. It, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. Uh, though I'm a, you know, I, I've watched Star Trek my whole life. That was definitely yeah. my father was today um, is star trek day actually oh I that think. is what a synchronicity yeah that is such a good synchronicity but my father uh is a retired engineer for the space program he uh um, oh, wow worked on the external tanks and so my family's always been a space family always been very interested in um uh science and space but um but yeah so the, getting it back to the show uh I really, really enjoyed how mushrooms came into the narrative with um, Rael. I mean, that entire character is just like angel bait because she's like super hot and she's queer and she's Southern and um, she's becomes kind of part mushroom. She becomes basically the, the human representation of the mycelial mother. Yeah. Which, you know, so before we get into like details, just, uh-huh. fair, well, you know, this is in the intro, but fair warning, there will be spoilers for season oh, yes. one and two. <laughs> um, we wrapped up season two a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, season three is on the horizon, though we'll be theoretically there saying that is the last season and we'll talk mm-hmm. about how we feel about that. Yeah. But yeah, spoiler alert, because like mushrooms are like a huge plot point and we'll talk about the big mushroom twist at the end of the season. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, mushrooms, like I wasn't expecting this going into this show that it would be so like mushrooms are a major plot point mm-hmm. throughout the yeah. whole show. And like the, like it's almost a character, this mother mycelium that like exists under Fort Salem, uh, which is a place. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me so much, you know, bring it back to our Oregon connection of the humongous fungus. Yes. Yes. The world's biggest living organism, right? Yep. Is over it's in Eastern Am- Oregon. Mm-hmm. Eastern Oregon. Yep. 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 It's an amarilla fungus, which is actually slightly parasitic. So you can, that's one of the reasons, like when you're flying a plane over it, you can kind of see the extent of its. Like the footprint of it. Yeah. That's really cool. cool. And I think it's like 30,000 years old because they were able to basically like age it by looking at the the genetics of it. Oh, it's really And like how many square miles large? It's huge, right? Yeah, no, no, it's huge. I think it's like 56 or something hectares or something. Like, so and that's it's a like an eldritch, an eldritch creature, like 30,000 yes. year old, many hectares, large fungus out in the wild that's parasitic. It's like, that's terrifying and amazing. And it's just, yeah. it's no, it's not surprising that I don't know if this show was inspired by that specifically, but it feels mm. like it might have been inspired by be. all the cool realities of mushrooms because the way they use mushrooms in the show is really neat. And I didn't understand it at first because they're very kind of mm-hmm. coy about it in the first season. There's just this big mushroom wall and Rail is able to touch it. Mm-hmm. It kind of starts turning mushroomy, but they don't really explain it until the second season and that made it, I liked the explanation. I liked, uh, I understood it more. And I liked the mushroom thing a lot more when they explained it. It's like, okay, well, it's basically dead witches who have become yeah. fungi or mycelium, yeah. which is like feeds into what fungi is. Cause it's neither a plant nor animal, but it feeds on decay. Right. Right. It's, um, it's actually, we're more closely related to fungi than we are to plants because fungi basically break down all their nutrients on the outside of their bodies. Whereas humans, we have our digestive systems. So that's kind of like the big difference between fungi and, um, you know, uh, animals, um, and those two lineages and, um, you know, fungi, they're just so diverse and incredible and they have, you know, there's that new documentary, which uh, I had some notes about, but uh, fantastic fungi. It does have some really awesome like information and time lapse. And it talks about how incredible fungi are, but getting back to the show. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I love it because in this show, magic is sort of seen as like they seem they try and have like sort of a scientific mm-hmm. physiological basis for it it's which is vocal cords are special and capable right. of special things and then the fungi is very much a part of that and interacts with them and i'm waiting to see if like all witches are like host to some parasitic mm. fungi maybe that's what makes them special but i like that they're able to do that because you know they use all sorts of actual magical witchcraft terms and stuff but they also use like science and the science of the science of plants and animals and fungi it's magic on its own it's mind-blowing and amazing yes like of course we want to worship nature it's so amazing yeah I the writers definitely do their work like do they they do their homework because um you know they they talk about fetches at one point um, they call their kind of big spells that they do where like they can control people like workings, mm-hmm. but I guess like their main form of uh, like spell casting is through their voices and they have like songs that they can sing that um, are ancient and can manipulate uh, storms because that's sort of the uh special power air in a lot of different ways it's very air based and there's other um i like they have different vocalizations and there are other Mm -hmm. there's like the tarim which is this tribe and they use something that they use a vocalization that sounds like tibetan throat singing they can manipulate earth Mm -hmm. and i guess it can do water as well the regular militarized witches and so that's why this show 
for somebody who's watched listening who hasn't watched it and still wants to be spoiled on it entirely the whole premise <laughs> of this show is that yes for my mother who's probably listening <laughs> who doesn't know what I'm talking about um the premise of the show is that in Salem their witch trial the witch trials were not you know a hysterical response to trying to get your neighbor's land there was an actual witches mm-hmm. and instead of being hung they made a deal with the nascent american colonies to be their army yes and so this woman sarah alder mm-hmm. she was like the first witch to kind of make that deal and since six, 1691 witches have been basically conscripted into the army mm-hmm. and so and that they fought for america in the revolutionary war and the civil war still apparently happened but differently mm-hmm. and like history kind of all happened the same but different but and all the armies were witches yeah and it's a very matriarchal matrifocal society now and there's you know men have power but the, the woman the president in this show is a black woman mm-hmm. which is you know i don't so think so amazing she's yeah, the 45th like, okay. she's the 45th president of the united yeah. states too which is uh, also think, like that's like a choice it's like yeah of course this society is gonna like allow that to happen because like the witches have been their armies forever and it's there's a lot of thing about militarization mm. and magic as a, a weapon of mass destruction i thought yeah. that was a really interesting concept like they like in this world like literally there are terrorist witches who are fighting mm-hmm. against the um sort of the military yeah um and um they basically use magic as a as a weapon Bomb. of mass destruction yeah. what's interesting to me in this world and i'm sure this is like a choice the writers made because otherwise it'd be way mm-hmm. too complicated but also too easy it's like guns were never invented in this world as far as i can tell yeah that's like they true. have like combustion engines but no one's got guns because you know they seem to it seems hard to kill witches and like well if you had guns you could just you know shoot these characters in the head which mm-hmm. would make the whole army useless so they don't have guns yeah <laughs> they, like, don't, nope. they don't seem to have guns or cell phones either yeah that's true i don't think there are cell phones yeah so it's interesting which because those are both things that would make all the storytelling not as interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it is really interesting. And like they have witches that are kind of represented from similar ideas of what witches are. And I guess our world, because Tilly, one of the, the main three in um, oh. the, the, the redhead, Tally, yeah. Tally, Tally, not Tilly. <laughs> I've been watching The Expanse and there's a oh, yeah. anyway. But um, um, yeah, Tally, she comes from a um, I guess like a matrifocal, matrifocal like, like like commune out in uh California, so right? They're all like so, the hippie witches, they're right? Like the the Wiccan, goddess worshippers. Like, yeah. And they yeah, and goddesses like all over this. They yes. don't really get into the theology, but they say goddess instead of God. It's great. Love it. <laughs> um and I'm like, I want to go and live in like Tally's matrifocal community where men never said, but that sounds so cool. I want, where's that show? Give me a spinoff. I don't want any conflict. And I just want to see what that world yeah, is like. I just want to see what that world is like. That's another great, like, I feel like this is a world that we've never really seen on TV. Like, let's imagine for a moment that we had a matrilineal society, like a society that, where women are you know, the, the more powerful, um, you know, represented gender and they held most of the power in all these positions of government uh, throughout the world, not just in, you know, this made up United States, but throughout the world. And like what that looks like, I don't, I can't even think of a TV show that I've seen that before. Yeah. It's so interesting. And, you know, there you, we've seen a lot of, of there are a lot of shows that they're, they're like alternate history like mm-hmm. man in the high castle is like jumps to mind even though it's yeah. sort of alternate dimension stuff sorry spoilers for man in the high castle but well, that's, that's like that's, that's like pkd for you <laughs> yeah but like this is such an interesting thought experiment and like one of my main not really complaints but just things i wish we had more of on this show is i wish we saw more of this world because it's yes. so interesting like i wish we saw tally we never get to see tally's where she lives very much we see a lot about um 
there's Tally, there's Rael, and then mm-hmm. there's Abigail, Abigail. Bellwether, mm-hmm. who is the African-American member of this trio of witches. And her family is like the, they're like basically the most fancy family of like the high Atlantic is what they're called. They're the hoity-toity witches that have all these very famous bloodlines and mm-hmm. who they marry and who they, or who the, the many men they might marry. Yes. <laughs> it's like that, controlled. That, that and, was also something interesting that yeah. came up in the show is that there were several, like Abigail has like three or four fathers because yeah, they all three dads fathered her at the same time. It's so like, how did that happen? They're like delicately. I'm like, okay, well, magic. <laughs> cool. Magic. And her mother's got like, they're all, you know, and husbands sort of are kind of traded out after five years. Sometimes <laughs> they're very easy. Um, I, you know, everyone's pretty cool with, uh, queerness but mm-hmm. it's also kind of expected like no you still have to have babies and it's kind of interesting that like the idea is you babies have to be made because we need more witches because mm-hmm. we need more army people we need more fodder and it's, there's a lot of interesting questions that the show yeah one of, one of the names i've kind of dubbed this show is witch troopers yeah which is <laughs> a great one it, it, it sort of reminds me in some ways of like starship troopers but with witches mm-hmm. yeah yeah, because it's very much like, I think it's pretty fair to say that the one of the ideas that's kind of percolating in the show is that militarization and the conscription of an entire, you know, group of people is bad. It's bad. This is yeah. bad and exploitive. And one of the most fascinating characters is Sarah Alder, who has, mm. you know, started this whole thing during Salem, and she has stayed alive. Right. Uh, she's, you know, over 300 years old. She's this really interesting, wonderfully played by Lynn Renee, I think the actress's name is, mm-hmm. and she stays alive and because she has like six or five women who she basically is constantly yeah, sapping the their life. They're, they're called the biddies and they don't, it takes them a while to like explain who they yeah, are. They were very, they weren't really <laughs> talked about until the end of the first season. Yeah. And you're and just like, like what? what? <laughs> uh, but they're like, they start, they are selected when they're young and then they be, she like, basically it's, has a parasitic relationship with them right and uses their life force to stay the same age and they Mm. just have to be within a certain proximity to her and if one of them gets hurt she gets hurt but if she gets hurt the pain is spread among them and it's a very interesting it's a very like wow that's kind of horrifying yeah you think about like what she's doing what she's asking of it but you know, the whole thing is that the army is like asking you to give up your life and your personhood entirely. Mm-hmm. And that's a very literal version of that to like yeah. keep the literal living representation of the military complex alive. Right, right. Yeah, that that is very true. And Talia actually becomes a biddy yeah. sort of as, um, you know, like a stopgap at the end stop of season gap. one. And that causes all, I mean, and essentially that's what causes Alder's downfall is that, mm-hmm. you know, well, I guess one of the other biddies had been working behind the scenes yeah. with the, um, her nemesis. The, yeah. The founder of this terrorist organization called the spree and the spree. And like, they have, you know, that the, the, the there's a lot of morally gray characters. Cause like Alder yes. is such an interesting character because she does horror. She does a lot of bad things. She does a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of like, and you think in the, the show really does examine like what would it be like to have been alive and fighting in a wars for, th- for over 300 years like 300 years yeah how traumatized and scarred would this person be and how badly would their judgment be clouded because mm-hmm. she's got like the level of PTSD this woman has after being right. hunted as a witch and then becoming a general for 300 years like she's got a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. And so, and she's not like the show doesn't really cast judgment on her whether she's like a bad guy or a good guy. She just simply is an interesting character. And the same goes for a lot of the characters in the spree. Mm-hmm. The Rails main love interest is like a terrorist. Yeah. Like she, you know, Scylla, you know, the interesting thing I, I like Scylla as a character. She reminds me of like a female version of like Spike or mm. so many of these like nightmare boys that are just like, oh, if I, my love will change him. It's like, well, she's murdered a lot of people. And she's the same prototype. Like she's murdered a lot of people. Yeah. She's not morally a good person. No. But she's got, no. you know, ideals. 
Yes. Yeah. No, I, I love her character. Um, she, I think really adds sort of some interesting, like dynamics between her and Rael and the fact that, you know, Rael was conscripted into the military from, you know, her mother's line being, what do they call them? Fixers or yeah, healers? They're healers. Yeah. They're, they're basically a line of witches that heal. And it's interesting because when they heal, they actually are saying like the Psalms yeah, or Bible Ra- verses. Yeah. Rael's from like, they, and they, they don't explain the Carolinas. Well, she's from like, what's called like the session. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it seems to be sort of like a reservation, but sort of also like a I don't know how this works in the show. I wish they would explain it better. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's some wiki somewhere that explains it, but I don't understand what it is. But she's definitely kind of represents sort of Appalachian folk magic. Right. That, and, and Christo-pagan stuff, which is interesting because like, I think also like the session is supposed to be like Native American or indigenous, but there's not a heck of a lot of indigenous representation on the show Mm-mm. in terms of like practice. And we have the Tareem, but they seem to be like, indigenous people from a different area mm-hmm. but yeah but she's like the mushrooms like real and that's yeah she gets her power from magic mushrooms yes yeah which is um yeah that 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 really they did that well i thought yeah you know um because at first when she has the contact it's kind of like sort of you, you know it's going to be important but they kind of leave it yeah. Uh, for a while in the, and it doesn't really start to come like to fruition until the second season. And yeah. so I will say like, I like the second season a lot more than I liked the first season. Me too. Me too. Part of the reason for this, I don't know, like I watched the first season, like as it aired. Mm-hmm. And so like week to week. And then I watched the second season, like in a binge, like once it was over, I just watched the whole season in like two or three days. And I think the show works. Some shows work really good week to week and some shows work better as a binge. And I think the show is so intricate and there's so much plot and there's so much going on. And there's so much that like, you have to pause and like, wait, who is that again? Right. That it works much better when it's a binge and you don't have to kind of try and remember what happened last week. Mm-hmm. And I just think the second season is a bit stronger in terms of like the first season, they're a bit too like show don't tell of what's going mm-hmm. on. It's like, no, no, p- please tell me at least something. I don't understand anything happening right now. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. They definitely throw you into yeah. like this world without much explanation. Because like when I first found out about this show, it was because they actually got ads on uh i think it was like the witch wave and the fat feminist witch yeah which are two podcasts that i listened to and i was just like what show with witches and i was just like into it and um my husband is an avid like tv watcher he 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 could probably be a show (laughs) a guest on your on your show because he just has um a lot of various different fandoms and shows that he he watches and takes part in um but uh so he he and i have been watching it together and um yeah like at first the first season i was just like oh i don't know we'll see we'll see because i i don't have as much time to watch tv and so he'll like pre-watch things for me and let me know if i'll like them but this one i was like i will watch this with you because I'm, i'm so excited about it and I wasn't sure if I was going to keep liking it, but then um, I was like, no, this is, this is interesting, I think. And it has witches, which, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch anything with witches in it at least once. Yeah, pretty, pr- pretty much. I'll give everything a chance. Some shows I'll give like, well, I gave you your chance and now you're done, which is me and like the new charmed, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I, I started watching it and then I just, I don't know, <laughs> I but keep it. Yeah, I feel like the story of the second season is much more interesting mm-hmm. because they really like they were kind of playing a long game where the actual enemy is this group called the Camarilla, which is yes. like witch hunters. Right. And I didn't like the first half of the first season where like, okay, it's witches versus witches. And it's like mm-hmm. are all witches evil. And it's yeah. like, and it sort of revealed that you know, like, no, no the witches shouldn't be fighting each other. They should maybe be focusing on the fact that there are witch hunters out there stealing witches voices and really like they're, and all those witch hunters, they're all men almost. Right. And they're all like sexist patriarchal 
jerks who literally want to like steal women's bodies and autonomy and take their voices. It's like, wow, your metaphor is pretty on the nose here. Yeah. (laughs) For reals. All right there. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much better enemy than the spree, which is like very much, you know, terrorists, but like, but also, you know, the heroes of the show are military and they're also killing a lot of people with magic. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the first season really focused in on that rivalry between those two families. Which is so uh, confusing. Which was really confusing and didn't terribly make much sense. Yeah, the I, there's a lot of the world building that I wish the show could develop more. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll see it in the last season, which is going to be the third season. But um, but yeah, there there is just like a lot to have to like understand about the world before you can really start getting into the show because there's just like the whole premise is something I feel like we haven't really seen before so there's a lot of work that you got to get the audience to do in order to be like okay (laughs) and one of the problems for me with the first season also is that the the Rael and Tally and Abigail they're Mm -hmm. they're a unit in the army and they're kind of put together assigned to each other and mm-hmm. they like abigail especially is just really mean to everyone and she's yeah a t- like it, you have to struggle to like her in the first season like mm-hmm. you don't understand like why am i why is she one of my heroes because she's very she's just really mean to everyone yeah she's kind of that snobby rich girl that... abrasive ambitious snobby rich girl it's like okay mm-hmm. i don't want to i want to like this character because she's got a lot of interesting stuff going on but she's just you know, I want these characters to get along. And in the second season, they're much more friendly and they're unit and they care about each other. It's like, okay, right. now, now, now I care about them because they care about each other. Mm-hmm. That's how you get character. That's how you get your audience to care about a character is have somebody else care about them or give them a reason to care about them. And they takes them a while to give you a reason to care about Abigail. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. She, she was probably like, my least favorite character to get screen time, even though the actress does a really good job. She's great. Um, Yeah. They're all great actresses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really um, have enjoyed all their performances. Um, But uh, I, yeah, the second season you get a much more of a, of a real like understanding of Abigail and how she has all of this pressure on her and that when the Camarilla, which are also, I'll have to look up what the, uh, epistemology of that word is because the Camarilla are also a faction in uh vampire the masquerade interesting because must be based must be based on some it has to have some sort of historic I'm sure you know one of the listeners is like screaming the answer (laughs) um but yeah like um so so yeah the Camarilla being this like shadowy patriarchal society that is literally targeting these bloodlines of witches and her bloodline is particularly interesting because it's sort of the this line of like storm from x-men where these witches have this powerful ability to command storms and um hence their name bellwether and um you know just how much pressure there is on her for to produce an heir to like you know make sure yeah. she has this pedigree and um once they start killing her bloodline she just you know starts giving less of a fuck about having that sort of duty to you know continue her bloodline and more just to protect herself and her the one she loves yeah and it's very interesting. Like they don't really interrogate it much on this show, like what the different dynamics are in terms mm-hmm. of like race in this different United States. Like right. again, like the Civil War seems to have actually happened. So right. slavery maybe happened. I mean, it seems to have happened, but there's definitely different dynamics. And yeah, they don't interrogate that enough. And I think it would be really hard for them to do that, especially yeah, considering. They so only... many factors but so they just like, just don't do deal with it right <laughs> we're just gonna have we're gonna have a black woman president the you know second most powerful woman in the army is a black woman and from the same family the she is abigail's mother and mm-hmm. she ends up the head of the uh the army military. Of, yeah and so like and then uh one of the really interesting characters is anacostia who is like mm. a 
she's supposedly like one of the instructors at like which basic training but she doesn't really do her job in season two she's off no she's 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 like did you call in a sub or like what are you doing what what is your role because like you're supposed to be a teacher but you're off on these like covert missions like fine you did a great job (laughs) what about the the kids you're supposed to be teaching well yeah yeah her her character is also very interesting because she's the one that sort of becomes the contact with the spree that um helps sort of find out that the camaria are Mm -hmm. um basically using so i guess the second season starts out with something that happens that is kind of confusing but later they explain that they they track the bloodlines of witches however there are starting to be the emergence of new bloodlines where witches suddenly come into their power and they didn't know that they were you know had this witches, power before and witches one of them before is the then vice president's daughter right who is such a fucking mary sue character oh, oh, can i i can curse on here right oh yeah okay yeah. but she, she was such a fucking mary sue i mean oh, it was poor just, thing it was yeah i mean it was done you knew that it was gonna happen she was just set up to be that kind of character oh yeah like to you know go specifically into like this season two finale like when that guy touched your shoulder I'm like oh that's a bad guy and she's just been infected with a witch plague. With the witch plague, yeah. And you're like she, I'm like, oh, she's dead. Her dad yeah. just said an emotional goodbye to her. She's dead. Yeah. Um. So that was like, okay, fine. Um. But yeah, the but yeah, the spree basically, you know, as often happens, their radicalization, their radical acts serve to radicalize the other side. And Mm -hmm. because there have been all these terrorist witch attacks, this Camarilla, which I looked it up online, Camarilla just means like a chamber, it sort of means like Mm -hmm. advisory council back in the Renaissance or whatever. So it's like your cabinet, same kind of Mm. etymology. But the Camarilla is able to like have a resurgence because of the spree's actions. Right. The spree was acting because they were um, fighting against conscription and for every witch who died abroad in wars, they were killing one civilian, hmm. which, you know, I, it, there's a point there, but also not the best strategy. Right. In terms of yeah. PR. I mean, I think it was really interesting how they got in this season, like got into the spree and how basically like just cycles of violence, how violence begets violence, begets violence. Right. Like they, I hope the third season is about breaking all those cycles. And right. going in a different direction and ending the conscription and ending the exploitation of witches and that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. like the magic can be so beautiful, but it's always used for, you know, destruction on the show. And that's very sad. Except with Alder, when she sings into like being the mycelium, yeah, that's like, like that's one of the few times you see a song be used for something other than just yeah creation rather than destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. And the mycelial network, you know, becomes this almost afterlife and this conduit mm-hmm. for dead witches. And that, you know, again, spoiler, we'll talk about this alder. Her biddies all get killed by this witch plague that the Camarilla has um, created, which I'm, uh, my guess is that the witch plague is also fungal in nature. <laughs> it mm. seems like it is or bacterial or, but they all die. And so Alder kind of turns into a very poorly CGI block of wood. Right. It could have done better on that effect. They, unfortunately, they done better <laughs> on that effect. Agreed. Like, um, she looked kind of like one of the creepy Roberta Benini Pinocchio movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it or it like wasn't... low budget Groot, mm-hmm. um, which really like took away from the emotional resonance of like all these people saying goodbye to her. They're like saying yeah. goodbye to like Pinocchio. Right. So that was. I agree. Quite one of, one of criticism I have for that. Otherwise, very interesting. You know, I feel like her death. I expected her to die in some sort of more self-sacrificing, powerful way, but then it was sort of just like, oh, everyone, all her biddies got killed. She turned into a block of wood, and then she sort of allows herself to be put into the mycelial network. But she's not dead at the end. You kind of see she's now become part of this and super powered. I guess we'll see. Yeah, but I'm like, okay, well, I hope she has more a better resolution to her story because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah otherwise it was not a great resolution <laughs> no no yeah no i agree and um apparently the camaria were the original people who were burning the witches so yeah. i'm sure that they'll they'll try to have all that wrapped up because this i guess 
has been announced that um, at, at least the showrunner uh, Elliot Lawrence said that this is going to be the last season. So they got a lot of um, narrative uh, wrap up. I'm, I'll be interested yeah. to see what they do. I mean, I think they can do it because their episodes are very dense. Like they mm. pack a lot of story into each episode. Sometimes like too much. Like, yeah, like that's why I think season two actually slowed down a little bit. Right. I also like, I'm glad I like, I love a long running show. Again, I'm on quite on the record saying I love Supernatural, which ran forever. Right. But there's something to be said also for shows that have a clear story and know when they're going to end and give you a satisfying ending Mm -hmm. and a complete story. I like those sort of shows. Like one of my favorite series, kind of pagan is the Spartacus series that was on Mm -hmm. stars and I would have loved to watch those characters forever, but it had a really good, sad, satisfying, powerful ending because they knew they were like, okay, we're, we were going to have three seasons. And, we're, and then they had ended up having to make a prequel just because of reasons. But it ends up being a very satisfying story. Mm-hmm. So like having a good ending is good because you don't want to just like keep adding conflict to these poor characters' lives. It allows them to maybe have some happy endings, which I hope we see for some of them. <laughs> Yeah. And and like there's a lot of room to do world building spin-offs. I, yeah. I mean, that's that would be I mean, they they the writers would do all this work to like build this world where you know you have the, the witches in the military, and I guess witches only make up a small like portion of the population, and they're all women, like or well, identifying yeah, like- people. They have like male witches with with like because they they oh right that's one of the things they did this season I liked is they introduced in their like witch college Mm -hmm. coven there's a male witch but males cannot pass down their power like right if you're born from a witch you have you're a witch but males cannot like pass on the bloodline they can help father with you know female witches that's why they sort of you know use like studs right. if they're if if uh they can't pass down if like so if they if a male witch you know had a child with a civilian mm-hmm. it would just be a normal kid right but right. a female like rail's mom had a child with a civilian and rail still a witch mm-hmm. so it's all matrilineal mm-hmm. but i'm glad that they included that male witch character and there was also a really cool non-binary character who was mm-hmm. their commander in their coven named m yeah like really fantastic just a look of that actors yeah they they were amazing (laughs) and their coven was named Sekhmet which is one of my patron goddesses so I I appreciate that yeah Yeah. it was interesting um they lit one I think one of the dorms like I don't think it's where Rael lives but where Scylla lives is Circe Mm. what it's called and I've recently read like Circe by Madeline Miller me too and it's interesting because like Cersei is a um, Scylla in that book is a monster created by Cersei and mm-hmm. so Scylla is a monster created by Fort Salem I think right. like, I don't know if that was intentional but I think it's cool that is a really <laughs> I I yeah I was thinking that too because Scylla is the the monster I think it's the um whirlpool that she's, lives. she's like the one with like six heads oh yeah yeah and she's the one and then the whirlpool the is whirlpool is one that drives you to yeah yeah right 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 so the the six-headed monster in it's odysseus that this happened the odyssey Odyssey, right um and and, um that is the monster that is also her namesake right yeah Yeah. that was just cool so yeah everyone reads Cersei by madeline middler it is a beautiful book such a wonderful like like reimagining of that story that i feel is just like much closer to the essence of who Cersei was and I yeah <laughs> I, I love that, that so I also much. loved Song of Achilles because it was like oh finally we, we finally admit how gay the elite is <laughs> uh, then you cry um but yeah those are good good books here's some book recommendations yes we put them in the show well, notes <laughs> well one of the things I liked less and this was less used in second season but in the first season it's implied that witches like use men like charging stations like sex with men charges up their power somehow 
which is like, it sort of relies on some sort of less, some of my less favorite tropes that really like sexualize witches mm-hmm. and women. It's like, oh, it's all about sex. And on Beltane, um, they all like just have sex with whoever, with like yeah. all the witch, all the witch men just come and <laughs> provide sex and they provide power. It's like, I thought, what are you, why <laughs> did you not like make it about sexualizing? They did that a lot less in this yeah. season. Yes. Yeah. Which, which was, um, yeah, that was a weird episode. Their built-in yeah. episode. I, yeah. I was just like, really? I was like, okay. <laughs> like you've, you've, you read some, some interesting books, you know, some <laughs> old school gardener or something. I don't know, but yeah, there, there, it, it is interesting how the writers kind of sprinkle in aspects of real witchcraft and um at least neo-paganism into the show because they do celebrate all of the sabbaths they 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 call them by their um you know like it's not halloween it's Samhain. it's um, and they pronounced it correctly yes like i can't say enough how happy macy that they pronounced it Samhain because i have you know again love supernatural but they have an episode where they have they kept calling it Sam Hain. Oh, no. And there's a demon. His name is Sam Hain. I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> but I guess it's like, because they're so far off. It's like, fine, you're pronounced it wrong because you're doing everything wrong anyway. But at least they pronounce so. They, they pronounce Bel, they, they put Beltane in an interesting mm-hmm. way. But yeah. yeah they, don't, they don't really go into Linasa or Imbolc, but no. Because the poor Linasa always gets kind of. <laughs> I'm so tired by August. <laughs> yeah, just, just time to eat bread. The bread holiday. It's a great it's bread. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a fan. It's it, Lunasa has definitely become one of my favorite uh, sabbats, but it is definitely one I did not celebrate until I was a witch, and yeah. <laughs> before uh, then, it was like not a great time of year for me because I lived in the yeah. south. Oh but. yeah, <laughs> um, I love. In bulk, it's one of my mm. favorite Sabbaths because, like, I get you know, living in Oregon, it is so cold and rainy mm. and wet, especially like January is rough. Mm-hmm. And but in bulk is like that moment where, like, okay, we're getting like there's this spark, we're getting close to spring, things yeah. are starting to thaw, and it's so like beautiful for me every year. And so, and I love my work with Bridget, and mm. um, she's awesome. So, I love in and um. But yeah, their Samhain episode this season was very good. Yeah. And I thought it was a really interesting concept where the dead have to speak to anyone who like calls them after they've defended off the wild hunt, essentially. You yeah. know, the- it, it was interesting. Like they very much kind of they had like the wild hunt, but they also had they were defending the hearth and they also name drop Morrigan later in the season. Mm-hmm. And like the Morrigan is very much about the hearth and about like, and her hearth is, you know, fire out in the wild and she's a defender. And so that is really cool. The kind of illusion there and it's really well done scene, like very spooky. And then mm-hmm. when the, the dead show up looking all zombie, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. very much like Beetlejuice, like you look the way you did when you died. So poor Abigail's cousin who got her throat ripped out looking thriller music video. yeah and I thought that was also a really interesting narrative device with Rael's mother yeah she first kind of got the since her mom wasn't dead her mom wasn't dead but then the the moment she finally gets to see her mother after something like a Uh decade of thinking her mother was dead was when her mother was saving her Oh, that was so sad. It was so shocking to me. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see how like Rail and her mother like interact when Rail finds out her mom is like, oh no, no, <laughs> mom is and, dead like, again. And as a mom, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what you do for your child. Like you, you will take that, you know, witch plague bullet for your child. And mm-hmm. so I cried. And uh, then it was really beautiful that the mycelium let her see her mother and talk to her again. And the actress is really good. There's a really good cast here really great i love all the every single like supporting actor i'm like who because this show films in vancouver mm-hmm. like a lot of shows and so like every supporting actor, what, what where have i seen them oh yeah they were on supernatural everyone <laughs> on the show was like oh it was zombie number four on supernatural like 10 years ago 
So that's always fun for me. It's like spot the supernatural actor. <laughs> Even on Supernatural, you recognize an actor. It's like, oh, they were on another episode of Supernatural because they ran out of actors in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Victoria, British Columbia for a little while. And so um, that's such a beautiful part of the world. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Oh, no, um, it's beautiful. And like, you know, the woods there have been in, so, I mean, there's, you know, there are Battlestar Galactica films there, everything mm-hmm. films there. It's so versatile and they have so much um, studio space there. And so, yeah, they do a good, good job. I liked, um, you could tell some of the stuff's like, okay, you had to do COVID precautions because there was mm-hmm. this big crowd scene. They're like, oh, we have to cover our faces. So the government can't track us. It's like, right. Hey, yeah. Now that's why you all have masks on. Good for you. Yeah. Let's go back to mushrooms. Like, is there any other mushroom any other mushroom things um yeah the way that she she became the witch bomb was super cool right yeah, like, so like when like she was like this bomb is that based in any like can mushrooms explode and kill you like now i'm even more frightened of mushrooms than i already am. no i mean usually when mushrooms are sporulating like that now that's to say that um there are like cordyceps that when they sporulate or basically produce the spores, the spores will then fall onto another like host, an insect, and then that insect will, you know, start to grow the what they, they call it a zombie fungus. So I guess, yeah, like that the- was sort of the mechanism was like this sort of cordyceps effect, but instead of like parasitizing insects it was parasitizing like people and like basically like the spores would land and the the mushroom would grow on and then like literally change their structure and like alchemize them into something else which was yeah that that is pretty interesting but yeah there's not there's not any fungus that i can think of which can, is not to can, say it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's right? just waiting for us. It's like that M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like one day the plants are going to get real mad and just really kill us all. at us. Like, <laughs> just get us to kill ourselves. Fair enough, plants. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, like some of the visuals that you do with the fungus and the mushroom is really cool. Like how accurate is the way that just, because the mycelial ne- network on the show, it looks sort of, yeah. it almost look, it looks like a nervous system. But it also- is. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it, and this is like, um, I'm quoting some of like, or paraphrasing some of the stuff from Terrence McKenna, but like, you look at like the the network of the universe and then the the map of a like, like neurons network in human brain and then mycelia network, and they all have similar structures. And it's just this kind of superstructure that um, with the mycelia, most of the mushroom quote unquote that you that you see is just the fruit of what is a huge tree and that's the mycelial network or the mycelium that lives underground and um yeah no they 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 have these just like you know like the the organ mushroom that's like a huge area that that fungus can um like send these mycelial threads called hyphae into the soil to capture any kind of nutrients or if they're mycorrhizal the the hyphae will be interfacing with um, roots of a tree and then that's how they form their their networks where they can you know share resources and um, even messages and communication through all the plants that are connected and tapped into that network and so is that is that why like you'll see you know it rains one night and the next morning there's a ring of mushrooms it's basically that means it's fanning out from a central plant like yeah the mycelium the mycelium grows underground in a ring-like structure and so then it'll send up the fruit like overnight right yeah it'll send up the mushrooms well as soon as we get rain which hopefully will be soon um all these fungi that live underground will come alive and you'll start seeing mushrooms popping because like they're the fungi needs a certain level of moisture in order to be able to grow on the surface and so that's why mushrooms and rain are correlated is because yeah. the the way that the fungus needs that moisture in order to send up the mushrooms but yeah. yeah and it's like it's 
mushrooms are magic. Yes. You know, there, there's, you know, when you think about fairy rings and just also like the pharmacological ways of mushrooms can kill you mm-hmm. or expand your consciousness and, mm-hmm. um, or be very tasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately I'm not a mushroom. <laughs> I understand that people like them just like I understand that people like cucumbers, but. Well, so the thing is though, there's, there's so much diversity though. Yeah. Like when you say I you don't I just like, haven't met the, I haven't met the right mushroom. You haven't met the right mushroom. Cause like the mushrooms you buy in the grocery store, usually the agaricus bisporus, they're just like, it's like saying you don't like fruit. If, yeah. if you had an apple, like a, like a, like a red, delicious, like a apple. mealy, mealy, yeah. red, delicious like, apple. Yeah, like, you know, like those button mushrooms you get at the store or that you have on pizza. Like they just taste like styrofoam to yeah. me. Like it's like this kind of weird texture and there's not a lot of flavor. So I'm like, eh, why do I, why? But yeah. yeah, there's, there's so much, there's oyster mushrooms, which are pretty available to get in most stores. And those are, and those are fun to grow too, for kids. You can get these little kits and oh, I've seen those. Those are, those are tasty. Mm-hmm. My favorite of course are morels and morels are these um, springtime mushrooms that are associated with wildfires, but they're very, very elusive. And um, you have people, to find those in the wild. Like, you yeah, you like have to find them. those in the wild. Right. Like uh, truffles. I love uh, truffles. I love. Truffle yes. Oil. Those are like, those that's are my ecto, stuff. Yeah. Ectomycorrhizal fungus. So um, but Put uh, truffle oil on anything and it's better. Yeah. 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 So that that's totally fungi. And um, the chanterelles, those are mycorrhizal and then boletes, um, which are these big meaty mm-hmm. mushrooms. And instead of gills they have pores underneath and um they're really good too uh but yeah there's just there's so there's so much diversity and um here in Oregon and I I just got to mention this because I'm so excited about it but um we recently passed the um psilocybin research so in the next year we are going to start having a therapeutic industry here in uh Oregon where you can come and get um, psilocybin session, which you know, of course there's going to be an intake process and the only people who can administer them are going to be licensed therapists. But you, I, I think they're going to try to keep it affordable for anybody, no matter what their insurance. So it's not like, you know, like $7,000 a session. So more people can take advantage of it, but you can come to Oregon and you can get a therapeutic psilocybin session with a trained professional who will take you through the whole experience. And yeah, the, the, um, ability of these plants to help treat like PTSD and anxiety and depression is incredible. And we're just still learning about it. You know, shout out to, of all things, the goop lab Mm -hmm. on Netflix. There's a really great episode of that. I think it's the first episode is about, um, using psychedelics as treatment and, um, Michael Pollan has like a whole yeah, book the, about this, how to change your mind. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I'm really glad Oregon passed that. I was really like, I told everyone I knew like vote for this. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, um, involved with the campaign. So I'm really excited to see what happens, but yeah, it has a normal, enormous potential, um, you know, they knew that it could be used to treat things like uh, alcoholism is mm-hmm. as early as the 50s. But of course, then in the 60s, you had this whole like basic government backlash against any kind of um, psychotropic drug. And um, in the recent years, um, John Hopkins has been showing that psilocybin can be used to treat, uh, especially people who are experiencing end of life. Um, they're able to die with more integrity and acceptance and, um, grace even, uh, cancer, the sort of terminal cancer patients were with some of the groups that were given psilocybin and they were able to make peace with their condition and basically like die in a way where they felt that it wasn't just a hopeless end. It was, they could, they could accept it. Um, and then veterans, veterans with it's severe PTSD, PTSD yeah. yep. uh, eating disorders, which is something that we haven't really had an effective therapy before. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just, it's so incredible because what psilocybin does is it basically um, 
shakes up your default mode network. So basically, you know, in, in, in your normal brain, your normal consciousness, you just, you have, if you have a depressive thought, you know, this creates these, these grooves in the pathways that basically make it more difficult to, um, come out of that depression, but with psilocybin, it basically causes all of this new, like, um, activity throughout the brain and it fires novel, the novelty centers. And so you basically are shaking up that default mode network and it creating new connections. And, um, again, quoting Terrence McKenna, this is a way for the biosphere to have a dialogue with us, to connect with us. The mm -hmm. mushroom consciousness is, is using the psilocybin and its interaction um, with mammalian systems to basically tell us, please don't kill us all. And, mm -hmm. um, and it also can heal us. And, and um, of course, we also have to acknowledge the indigenous uh, people in Mesoamerica that, you know, have brought this medicine to the West that, yeah. you know, had paid a great cost like Maria Sabina. And so going forward, I think it's also really important that this industry um, give reparations to indigenous people for this wisdom. But I think it just has an incredible potential to really like help us as a, as a human species um, to feel more connected, to heal some of the trauma of uh, just waves vaguely and everything, yeah. capitalism. It's like a and, point uh, set everything. <laughs> um, and also um, have that connection with the biosphere. And that, that's something that fungi provide, which I just find is like endlessly incredibly cool. Yeah, I'm very excited for Oregon to kind of be at the vanguard of that and go go Oregon. We get some and there's a lot of ways we don't have our shit together, but in other ways, yay. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Every everyone's got work to do. But yeah, so hopefully we can maybe have you back on for season three. Maybe we can also yeah, we'll come and talk Wheel of Time because I think that'll be I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, I think it's not it's coming November. But I'd love to come back and yeah. talk about season three of Witch Troopers. And yes. <laughs> yes. And it's available for those of you who, for some reason, listen to this and haven't seen it. Surprise, everything's been spoiled for you. Um, but it's available on Hulu. Yes. And so technically, it's, technically they're all Disney princesses because Hulu is owned by Fox Really? Home. Yeah. It's like it's mainly Hulu is now kind of property of Disney because Disney oh, bought wow. a lot of Fox like FX and Hulu and ESPN all are owned by mostly they're either fully owned or majority owned by Disney. Oh, everything. Like, so everything Fox News is a separate entity just to be fair to Disney. Like they do not have nothing to do with that, but <laughs> Hulu and all their stuff is owned by the same people. So yeah, they're all, this is a Disney. Yay. Uh, not witch related, but mm -hmm. on Hulu uh, reservation dogs is wonderful it is like probably the best show and it's all indigenous it's all an indigenous crew and cast and cool. um it, it does a phenomenal job and it even yeah. has like some um like magic in it not magic i i, I indigenous maybe not the word but yeah. indigenous like mythology and stuff yeah, like like cool. like uh urban uh not urban but um uh modern par paranormal that's what i meant to say nice. Yes, I have to check that out, and I'm of course enjoying season two, season three of what we do in the shadows, which yes. is one of my yes, the best shows on TV. <laughs> so good, so, so good, so much great TV on. Lucifer's coming back, yeah, and this week I'm so sad. Where you go? Oh yeah, yeah. Find okay. you online and find your work and your podcast. All right, so I have a podcast. It's called the Science Witch Podcast, and I co-host it with my best friend Inku, um, and. Um, so that you can find that on, I think, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, um, all the, the various different podcast outlets. And um, the, we have the website, sciencewitchpodcast.com. And um, I'm also one of the coordinators of the Wild Witches of the Willamette, which <laughs> is a witch-wide web across the greater Willamette Valley and beyond. 
and um, we have a uh, free online Zoom based year and a day class going on where I get to share, um, you know, a lot of really interesting witches in the Willamette Valley, including um, sort of my teacher and best witchy friend, Moon Dancer. She um, teaches a lot of the classes and she's um, been a practicing witch for, I believe, 30, 40 years. And so, wow. yeah, so she's, she's amazing. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, if you're on Twitter, um, I'm um, Angel underscore kitty k-i-t-t-y and that's my my twitter handle and i'm on twitter so um if you want to look into my world <laughs> that would be the the social media oh and instagram uh but it's friends locked right now if you're friends of the show i'll i'll add you so <laughs> and um are you going to be as well which is Willamette going to be at the upcoming columbia Willamette pagan pride which Yes. In fact, yes. I will be presenting. I will be, yes. um, I will be, I'm hopefully going to be there. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to be presenting from noon to 1 PM and it's on microbial magic. So I'll be talking about, um, same, yeah, same pro- topic, <laughs> same topic. It's, it's all the science, which podcasts, uh, kind of inter- in- integrated, um, so I'm going to be talking about microbial magic and mostly just sort of like fermentation projects uh, that you can do at home, like kombucha, sourdough, um, and lacto fermentation or quote unquote pickling. Um, I'm going to talk about how to like incorporate that into magic and your practice. And then um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, our microbial biome and how I have kind of found a spiritual connection to my microbiome that is awesome cool (laughs) yeah so um yeah i'll talk about that and and how to um maybe incorporate it into your craft especially kitchen witchcraft and um and then i'll have little um i'll have some sourdough starter and kombucha um scobies for people to be able to take home and and do their own it's like a pet yeah exactly (laughs) It's a, I, I call the sourdough a, a bread pet that you have to feed, yeah. so that feeds your family. So awesome! Well, thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Magic. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Real Magic Pod, or find me there as Fangirling Jess. We're also on Patreon, and that will be expanding very soon. If you like the pod, please do leave a rating, a review, or a subscribe. Tell your friends, and if you have any questions for me or the podcast, you can always email at realmagicpod at gmail.com. And finally, exciting news. Barring complications, which are entirely possible in this crazy world, I am set to appear at Clexicon in Las Vegas in October uh, on a panel all about queer magic. It's called Queer Magic. It's all about queer witches and why we don't get as many queer lesbian or bi characters as we do like queer vampires or werewolves in genre movies and television. It's going to be really fun, so if you're heading to Clexicon in October in Vegas, check us out. Please note that all attendees of Clexicon must be vaccinated or have a negative COVID test before attending. I know that's not going to be a problem for you because you're smart witches and smart witches get the vaccine to save lives. Now that's all for now. We'll be back in two weeks with a subject that's creepy, spooky, and altogether ooky. In the meantime, stay safe out there and remember, do not mess with mother mushrooms. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye, pool. Goodbye to life. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye, pool.